What's going on guys? Welcome back to My Parents Office. I'm your host, Andrew Diaz, and today we have a very special guest, hip-hop artist Cam Randall. Cam, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Thank you for having me. It's going, uh, going pretty good. It's a good weekend. Masters is on. Got yeah. NFL football, college football this weekend. So. Hell yeah. Big big sports weekend for the boys, man. Yeah. Who'd you take in the Masters this year? Who was your pick? So originally I wanted Kepka. It's not looking, too, not looking too hot right now. Um, I like Brooks. I think he's a, a good dude. He's got a lot of a lot of style to him. Um, I don't know at this point though. It's I mean DJ is I think still four up right now. He's twenty under. Dude, that yeah. So when last I was watching it, he was seventeen under, which yep. is ridiculous. That's it's it's insane. Yeah. He um, he's he's been playing out of his mind. I had Justin Thomas going into the week. But he's still been playing good, but yeah. DJ's just playing out of, out of his mind yeah. way better than everybody. Lights out, yeah. Justin Thomas is one of those dudes that, like, can either kill it and just be so consistent, or he can come come to a uh, tournament and flop. Yeah, he's going to miss the cut, or yeah. just be in contention up until Sunday. Exactly. That's so. like DeChambeau. He's been yeah. all over the place driving the ball, just crazy how... He can drive the ball like 400 yards and just oh nuts, dude. Should have probably missed the cut. It's a whole other level of power there. It's yeah, just absolute horses, man. But um, yeah, no, I I originally wanted Brooks. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it's like always good to see Tiger like put up good numbers. It's exciting when Tiger comes to Augusta because yeah. you know, no matter how bad he's been that year, yeah, he he can show up still and just shut it, it down. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but so I want to talk a little about a little bit about your music. Yeah, um, for sure. So you went to UMass, uh, graduated from Agawam High. You said you went to community college for a few years. Yeah. Um, when I was talking to Mike, when we were texting about you, he said you played at the UMass spring concert one year. Yeah. So I played, okay. I, um, like, like Andrew was saying, so I went to, uh, Agawam High. I graduated Agawam High in 2015. So I'm 23 now, if you do the math. Um, so I went to community college for a few years, wasn't sure what it was that I wanted to do. So I went to community college, um, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to do business, major in business and work full time as well as work on music too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like you said, or like Mike told you, I transferred to UMass and, uh, just kind of gained like a little bit of a following there. Like a lot of my friends had already gone there. So it was kind of convenient by the time I went there, like some people already knew, um, about my music and stuff, and I played at uh, Oktoberfest, the UMass okay, Oktoberfest, cool. and back-to-back years Springfest, which is about 2,500 people. That's insane. So that's that was a good time, man. That that's was, crazy. Yeah. What was what were the emotions when you played the first Oktoberfest? How how nervous were you? Dude, so, okay. Was it, wait, was Oktoberfest the first one you played, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so when I played Oktoberfest, I was, like, kind of nervous. Obviously, I mean, that's a big crowd to deal with. That's insane, um, yeah. But... You know, once you get once you get a couple songs into your set, so it's a forty five minute set, which is even Holy more nerve wracking. So it's like, oh, that's shit, crazy. I gotta I gotta entertain these people for almost an hour. Um, but then some one of my one of my good friends who was also performing said, "Dude, half these people are like totally wasted right now. So they're probably not even gonna remember how good or bad you sound. Just mm-hmm. bring just bring Go some out there entertain- and have fun. Exactly. They're there to party. They're there to drink, dude. They're, nobody's gonna boo you in the crowd. Right. Um. That's like as an artist, your first instinct. You're like, oh god, man. Like, what if they? What if they boo me? What if this yeah. sucks? Um. As long as you're bringing energy. So in yeah. a place like that, especially if you bring yeah. in the energy, you'll be all set. Exactly. So when once I was a couple songs in and realized that, okay, these people are cool. They're rocking with me. They're mm. drinking. I think I took like a few nips before the, the show too, yeah. just to loosen up a little bit. 
Um, and then it's, it's easy peasy from there. I mean, it's always nerve wracking, even mm-hmm. when I went back to second year. Um, but like I said, once you get past that first five minutes, you're like, okay, this is what it's like. It's not that bad. And let's just roll with it. You know, how did you get into like performing at UMass? How does that work? So, um, so for Oktoberfest, uh, the, one of the, one of the guys that runs Oktoberfest, he like works for UMass and he, okay. he's part of like UMass's like planning and events program. Mm. So they plan like graduation, gotcha. ceremony, uh, concerts on campus, concerts off campus. Um, and he reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to keep all the openers as UMass students. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, which is sick. So, you, I mean, you can imagine like 30,000 people, like there's, there's bound to be a few artists yeah. at the school. Um, so I think there was like five or six of us that opened up, um, for spring fest, the headliner was this dude named Kai, who's from Boston, who's actually a pretty mm-hmm. relatively big artist. He's got a song with Wiz Khalifa, okay. um, which is, which is sick. Uh, so yeah, so he hit me up and, and he was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Um, I was, all right, count me That's in. That's exciting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and Oktoberfest went so smoothly that spring fest came around in may it's mm. like right before um the end of the semester okay and it's at the same place um on campus and uh, he was like hey you want to come back and i was like sure absolutely sign me up man i'm not gonna say no to that so it it was awesome though had you done any live performances before that like obviously pr- probably not in front of a crowd like that no, but not any of like that magnitude any yeah. like smaller venues like that yeah so um, I like my first real show was back in 2016, um, in Northampton. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah, with Northampton. Yeah. Um, I, up until that point of playing spring fest and mm. October fest in 2018, um, I think I'd probably play, I've probably played at least 30 shows. Holy, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've played probably a dozen in Northampton. I've played a few in Greenfield, Mass. I've played a few in Boston. Um, so, yeah, so I was kind of, like, well-prepared um, mm-hmm. at, like you said, n- n- nothing to this magnitude. I mean, 2,500 people is a, is a lot of people. Um, but believe it or not, like, I, I tell this to everybody, the smaller crowds are actually the tougher ones because you make eye contact with everybody. Oh, I believe that. So you're up there, and you're like, oh, shoot, like, these people aren't drinking, and you're making eye contact with everybody, so it's more nerve-wracking. Yeah. Like, when there's 2,500 people... or You could look into the crowd and see a different face uh, every time, so... Dude, yeah. Even, like, I've played, like, 200 people. That's still enough where it's, like, you don't even make eye contact. You just look into the sea of people. And you're seeing just heads. Yeah, yeah. Because when it's, when it's a smaller crowd, it's a little more awkward because, mm. like, you can hear people's voices in the crowd and they're talking with each other. Like, I've played, I've played a show for 10 people before. Yeah. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a big difference. But to tell you the truth, I'd rather play the the two the twenty five hundred people. Well, especially twenty five hundred people are gonna bring energy too. Yeah, Ten, yeah. I feel once once an audience starts bringing energy for you, yeah, it's gonna be easier for you guys to work with each other versus you trying to do it all with ten people. Yeah, exactly. And with twenty five hundred people, at, at the end of the day, it's essentially just a big. It's like a frat party in the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like a mosh pit. So yeah. even if the music sucks. They were still there to have a good time. Yeah, dude, they're they're mobbing out. They're having a good time, which like like I said, that just makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got all my homies like in the front too, so it's like even if everybody else hates me, I got twenty of the closest homies at UMass just yeah. like right here, just um, cheering me on and whatnot. So that's awesome. That's just a great feeling, <sighs> dude. It's sick. And then so the second Spring Fest you played, 
How was that? Who'd you guys open for then? So the second Spring Fest, we opened up for a couple of DJs. I, th- I forgot their... I think they go by Boslick, but they didn't mm-hmm. used to go by that. Their new name is Boslick. They mm-hmm. used to go by um, Raw, like W R R A W. Um, so it's two guys that do mm-hmm. like EDM and DJing. Okay. Um, they were actually UMass students. Gotcha. Um, but they were like pretty well known. Like they're mm-hmm. from the Boston area that went to, and they went to UMass. Um, so that was that was really sick. They're great dudes. Um, and the second Spring Fest was actually better. Um, the weather was better the first time around in May. Like May is one of those months where it's like it could be chilly still because it's like yeah. I think Spring Fest was like May like fourth, right? So that's like. I mean, April. Especially in near New England, too. So you don't yeah. know what you're going to get. So I think the first Spring Fest was, like, 55 degrees and, like, windy. That can be br- That's brutal. Dude, exactly. Like, every, like, the vibes are just better when it's warm out. So the second Spring Fest of 2019, I think it was, like, 75 and sunny, mm-hmm. which is just, like, everybody is enjoying themselves way more. Yeah. Um, and you're not in the crowd, like, shivering and shit. So, um, yeah, the second Spring Fest, in my opinion, was a lot better. Uh, crowd was a lot more energetic too okay. with the warm weather, so yeah, that's uh, that was cool. That's awesome. So, growing up, did you always know that you wanted to do music? Were you always kind of musically inclined, or was it probably later years of high school you figured it out? Yeah. So, what, what was the process with that? That that's a good question. So, believe it or not, I grew up in a very sports oriented family. Um, okay. Big baseball guys, baseball, golf. Uh, basketball, soccer, whatever. So as a kid growing up, my like only ambition was like, oh, I want to be a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. Turns out you got to be really good to be a professional yeah. baseball player. It's kind of it's ironic. Yeah, but. right. Right. Who would have thought? Um, so I think I think my freshman year of high school is when I like got into music, and it's so weird because I don't have like a music background. I mean, mm-hmm. my dad's dad, who who passed away before I was even born. Um, was in a band, so I, I guess genetically they could say, like, oh, you got it from your grandpa. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my freshman year, I uh, I hung out with, like, a, a lot of older kids in the mm-hmm. high school, like juniors and seniors, because my, my neighbor would bring me to school every day, and mm-hmm. so I would always chill with, like, him and his friends, and they would listen to, like, Kid Cudi and Wiz Khalifa, and I just thought it was so cool. Like, I'm like, dude, this is, like, the sickest thing ever. Um, and then my freshman year, so this is, like, the turning point when – it hit me like, oh, shoot, I want to do something musically. Right. Um, freshman year of high school, I went and saw Chris Webby. I'm sure you guys awesome. know Webby. Yeah, Chris Webby's awesome. Connecticut native. Um, Where'd you see him? Northampton. Okay. So I did not even know who Chris Webby was. Dude, like, I literally went from, like, not knowing anything just about... just being the biggest fan of... Yeah, yeah. So I went to a Webby concert because everybody at my high school was going. It was, like, sold out. I really, I didn't know any songs. I think I knew, like, La La La, which is his, yeah. like, most famous song. Um, and I went there, and uh, a kid from Western Mass, Dylan Reese, who's from Chicopee, Mass, who now mm-hmm. lives in L.A., that's, Dylan's a homie now, we, we've grown really close, um, opened up for him. But I didn't know Dylan back then. So here I am at the show. I don't know either of, really, the, the performers, and I was like, I was like, dude, this is so cool. Like, imagine just being on stage and, like, all these people are just like like mobbing out for these two artists. Yeah. Like you just like you feel like the man, right? Um, so then kind of from there I kinda of just like I was like, dude, that'd be like I kinda of wanna do that. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. so cool. Um so I would freestyle at my house, like over like like young, wild and free instrumental beat. Um Gotcha, okay, yeah, yeah. Just little stuff like that and like I and then like 
I needed some sort of reaction from like my friends to like want to go forward with it because obviously people are like, nah, man, this ain't it. Like, yeah, you want gonna... people to be when you're trying to do something like that. You want people to be brutally yeah. honest with you. You don't want to yeah look like a fool while you're doing it. Hundred percent. So, uh, but so I yeah I I did like a little freestyle and like recorded it on a laptop webcam. Like literally like put the laptop in front of me, mm-hmm. played the beat off YouTube, minimized the screen, and like like freestyle to it. Posted it on Facebook. And, like, everybody from my high school was, like, hyped about it. I know it's, like, a very cliche story. I feel like all artists, like... Have something like that, yeah, yeah. I posted this video online. Um, Yeah, and then, like, people are like, yo, that that was actually kind of cool. Right. It was actually kind of sick. Like, dude, I was, like, 14. Like, voice was higher than a kite, man. (laughs) Like, sound like a little boy on the track, right? And um, so then I did a few of those, right? I did, like, a few going over, like, like popular like Lil Wayne like mm. uh, lollipop instrumental stuff okay. like that um and then just kind of saw like a small reaction from kids in my school my school my high school was very big like uh, Aglum High we had like 2,500 people yeah so um so to get like any reaction from that amount of people um was pretty sick and then I think when I was like 15 like the end of freshman su- freshman year summer I was like we gotta I gotta like go and record someplace right mm-hmm. Um, so actually shout out Enfield. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Stu 860, like John Dillinger, probably not. I've um, heard the name, like I know the name, but not, the, not really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a studio, um, owned by this guy, John Dillinger. Um, it's the first place I ever recorded and it's, in, okay. it's actually in, um, Thompsonville. Oh yeah. It's on yeah. Pearl street. Um, full blown studio. Uh, dude, I couldn't even drive yet. My sister would bring me to the studio. My sister was 18 at the time. Now she's 26. Um, but yeah, imagine that, man. How about that for like a little bit of a come up story? My sister would, I'd get out of school and I'd literally beg my sister like, hey, like I got a, uh, like, I got a time, or I got a studio time tonight at like five o'clock. Can you bring me to the studio? Just begging her to do it. Yeah. yeah and she'd literally sit in the lobby and just chill for like an hour and a half while I'd record like two, three songs. That's awesome. That's Dude, absolutely crazy. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I like, I didn't have a job back then. So mm-hmm. I'm like barely affording to pay for studio time. It was mm-hmm. like 60 bucks an hour. Yeah. So typically um, t- to like record a song, it could take you hours. It could take you a couple days if you decide to pick up and come back to it. Yeah. But since I was like so... I was only 15, had no money. You wanted money. to get through it quick. You had wanted, no you had money. To get it done. So I'm like, oh shit, I got to get as much as I can done in one hour because I only got 60 bucks on me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'd go there and like record songs and not even take like multiple takes. Like I just recorded, like, all right, that sounds fine. Let's get down, get on to the next uh, yeah. part of the song. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how that whole started. And then I put out like my first little mixtape at f- 15 and, and, kind of like what i was just saying i had a good pretty good reaction from it obviously a lot of a lot of haters too um, people in your house were just gonna say like why yeah. are you doing this like yeah but at the end of the day like the good always outweighs the bad like obviously as a 15 year old kid i was salty i'm like oh dude what are you guys talking about yeah like this is sick like, this is the best thing i've ever like this is the greatest thing ever yeah but a few it all, all it took was a few people to show support and that was like enough for me to want to keep going mm-hmm. and then gradually just kept working on music so that's awesome yeah so that's kind of how i got started with making music shout out chris webby and dylan reese <laughs> now so you said like chris webby dylan reese uh you listen to, like kid cuddy and wiz khalifa who else like growing up were you listening to that you really got into yeah. like that really kind of got you into music yeah so um i'd say like my like my early stage inspirations were definitely chris webby 
I think it was just so cool um, that it was like a New England guy. Yeah. Um, white rapper. Like, I, dude, I literally would try to like, Chris Webby would always wear this Yankees flap rim. I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah. a Yankees fan. I'm a big Sox fan. But I literally bought a Yankees flap rim. Just dude. to be like Chris Webby. Just Webby. to be like Chris Webby, man. It was so corny. It was 15 or 16. Um, so, yeah, Chris Webby, Kid Cudi is, like, probably one of my all-time favorite artists. Uh, Lil Wayne, Drake, obviously. This is, this is like, at the beginning stages. Yeah. Like, um, Dylan Reese, who's, like I said, now one of my good friends. Um, i trying to think who else. Like Hobson, like okay, back, yeah. back in the day, Logic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all those kind of guys. Um, now, as I've gotten a little bit older and, and new artists have evolved and came out, I'd say like my new my new music is more, um, I guess, influence a lot of Post Malone. Okay. Um, I love... I so love, less of a rap, more of a... More of a pop-ish. Yeah. But like, yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's going to be more soft versus you yeah. just trying to spit out lyrics. Yeah, because like, I remember when, when you, you know, I feel like when every artist or every rapper, when they first start making music, like, they just want to rap fast and lyrical mm-hmm. and just like have bars. Because that's what like Eminem did for... Yeah. Like the, pretty much the bulk of his career. Yeah. He became the most successful rapper, one of the most successful rappers of all time because yeah. he spit out lyrics as fast as he could. Yeah, so, ex- yeah, exactly. Like, that That was, like, my mission at first. Like, oh, I just want to prove I can, like, rap rap. Yeah. But as I got older and a little more mature and as an artist and stuff and, and had some relationships and, and stuff like that, then your music just, like, naturally kind of changes. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, like, that. the bars are sick, but, like, that's not really catchy. It's not really what I'm going for. I don't want to fit in that rapper box. Yeah. Um. So, na- so... With my new music, it's a lot more catchy, melodic stuff, like the Post Malone stuff. Like, I'm, I mean, for the, the type of music I listen to, like, yeah, the fast rapping is really cool, and it's like, oh, wow, that's talent, right? Mm-hmm. But I like catchiness and, and melodies, and, like, when you're in a car, or driving in the car, throwing the ox, like, whatever's catchy, and can we bump this at a party? You're, yeah, you're going to keep playing it over and over. Exactly, exactly. So, like, Post Malone, like you said, is, like, that kind, that's kind of... You know, I don't like to jock any artist's like style, but that's it's like, hard. It's hard to not though, because yeah, you're with you're all the artists that are out there now. You have people that influence you, and yeah. it, it really, I don't think, unless you're copying a guy lyric for lyric, you sh- nobody should give you shit because you yeah. copy somebody's style because you want to be like an artist you like. Yeah, and at some point, like you're gonna sound a little bit like somebody on some song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. So. You know, like, Post Malone, I'm a big fan of Russ. I know, like, okay. everybody hates Russ. Yeah. Um, I love Russ, personally. I think he's got a great message. Um, I, but I also like, I like the, uh, how diverse both of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that, like, their albums, no, not one song sounds the same, in my opinion. Well, look um, at Post Malone's most recent album. Hollywood's one. Bleeding. Yeah, he so had features fire. from Drake. Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Osbourne. Yeah, so he did Crazy features dude. with... The biggest rapper of today, and then the biggest rock star of like the eighties. Yeah. So he he stretched everything in that album, that, and that proved how versatile he is as an artist. Yeah. That that's the word I was looking for, versatile. Yeah. Um. But no, you're right. Like that's I think that's so sick. Like imagine just saying like, oh, okay, you have Young Thug on your album mm-hmm. for goodbyes. Yeah. But then you also have Travis Scott and Ozzy on the same song, and then I don't even know. Oh, then you had uh, Halsey. Oh yeah, I forgot he had the song on there. "Die for Me" with Future, dude. Like that's so crazy, bro. That's like yeah. so wide variety. 
And for uh, him to be able to like make th- those two parties merge yeah. to make great music is just unreal. Yeah. So that's like that. That's what I think is like. That's ta- I mean talent, but that's just so unique. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dude, like that's literally stretching. Like, like I was telling my mom, who was like a big Ozzy fan in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh mom, Ozzy Osbourne's on Post Malone's new album, and she was like. She's like, I don't even know who Post Malone is. <laughs> um, but I'm like, oh, mom, he's a new age, like, artist, like a, like a you know, hip-hop artist. But he's got Ozzy on it. She's like, all right, I'll give it a listen. You know what I mean? So Post Malone is somebody that pretty much every age likes. My dad loves Post Malone. Dude. He, he like, that's, like, the one person from, like, today's music he'll listen to. Yeah. So everybody's listening to a guy like him because he's done yeah. so much and his music doesn't sound wicked, like, mainstream. Yeah, for sure. And even though he is mainstream, like, because mm-hmm. he's just so big now yeah um you're right the message behind it isn't so mainstream like one of one of the things that i really liked about like the hollywood's bleeding album by post which is for those of you who don't know that are listening his recent album um was like hollywood's bleeding the title itself is basically describing how la and hollywood is like falling apart and Mm -hmm. is just becoming this like not so dope place to live anymore and i believe i'm pretty sure post malone moved to utah which is like very weird but random and that's like if you listen to the album and like really pick up on some of the lyrics like the title track hollywood's bleeding it's all about like how it's falling apart falling apart he doesn't want to live there anymore and um even in like the song wow i think he's talking he says like something in the utah snow yeah everywhere i go like the utah snow yeah yeah he's like yeah everywhere i go yeah like that's so crazy like this dude literally just left la went to utah where there's virtually nothing mm-hmm. and is just still doing his thing out there and it's like he didn't follow like everybody else who just lives in like the glitz and glam of right. la well in la now you can kind of see it falling apart because it's not like it was in the 80s 90s early 2000s when people would move out there and it was just yeah when you moved out there you became a star right away so many people are just trying don't have a plan move <laughs> out there and then end up just being waiters yeah exactly and so many people are trying to do it now that don't really have talent yeah i think so it's making it a lot tougher for artists that really are talented because now everybody's like i have a song i can act i can do whatever but they're just moving out there for the glitz and the glamour like you said exactly i think it's oversaturated too Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um when i when i graduated from umass back in may i mean this is okay so before covid happened like Let's rewind to January of 2020. So like, yep. like right before COVID, I had this plan that when I graduated, I was single at the time. Now I got a girlfriend. She's dope. Side note. Um, but uh, so in January, I had this plan like, okay, when I graduate UMass, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to move to LA. Um, and, and even if I got to work like odd jobs or, or work in a restaurant, whatever it is, I'm going to go out there and, and do music and just kind of soak up the LA life. I just wanted to just do it, mm-hmm. you know, while I was young and, and see if I can make some connections, whatever it may be. And, uh, like I said, my, my boy Dylan lives out there and he's kind he's doing really well. Um, but then obviously shit hit the fan with COVID got a girlfriend and life took a different turn. Yeah. Um, not to say that I would never go out there, um, but now you kind of realize that you don't need to go out exactly there. with the internet too. Like you don't need, you can make connections. Yeah, you don't need to be cause LA used to be the epicenter where if you're going to get found, you have to be in LA, you have to be LA, New York, Miami. Exactly. Now with the internet, you stumble. Well, that's what happened with post Malone Yeah, was his story is he posted up a song 
Yeah, why Unlike YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And it just, he fell asleep and woke up and it had blown up. And that's pretty much how Post Malone became Post Malone. That's, dude, exactly. And he and he's from Texas, I believe, originally? I think so, yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, that that's, like, my philosophy now is, like, all right, like, I could go out to L.A. and get caught up in that, all that stuff and, like, mm-hmm. the oversaturation of people trying to make it, the YouTubers, the, the bloggers. Right. Um, I respect that. But I don't think it's as necessary these days with how powerful the internet is. Because like yeah. you said, like Post, I could put out a song tonight. I mean, I got like 15 unreleased songs on my laptop. I could drop one of those tonight and God knows what could happen in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah you I could think, wake up, it could have 100 plays, it could have 100,000 plays. 100%. It, it all yeah. depends where it ends up on the internet, who finds it. It just, it's a matter of, honestly, right now with the internet, just getting lucky and yeah, just praying pretty much like hoping that it hoping that you get found but it's become a lot easier that you don't have to travel anywhere and yeah. to make your name known and even yeah and even things like like tiktok mm-hmm. um at first like when tiktok came out i was kind of like so anti-tiktok i'm like oh what's this little kid shit yeah um but now as time has gone by and as like through this whole covid thing I've been like, wow, like, dude, there's a lot of artists becoming famous from TikTok. Yeah, because they'll make a song and then it's somebody will do a dance to it. Charlie just, Amelia, yeah, or whatever it what may be, you know what I mean? They'll do a dance to it and that song will just blow up. So yeah. it's just it's a matter of just like right place, right time with that. Yeah. With, so yeah, that's like my thing too. Is like, dude, what you know? Who, who's not to say I put out a song and then somebody on TikTok uses it and then boom, you know? Within a month, I'm I'm this massive artist. You, it, can, right. it can happen so quick like that, and that's why I'm like, all right, well, I don't really need to move up to LA. Mm-hmm. Now, if if shit ever happened where like life just got to that point where like I emerged and became yeah. so big or whatever, um, that it you know maybe down the road, potentially move to LA or whatever it is. But for right now, doing the internet thing and kind of letting the world do its thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, knock on wood, you know, let's see, so... Yeah, as long as you keep grinding, just... You said you have 15 unreleased songs. Yeah, give so or take, right around there, yeah. That's crazy. So, what makes it where you don't want to release a song? Or like, do you have times where you're thinking, I'm going to hold it just because I may not record soon, or, like, I may not record for a while, or is it just, you just keep building them up? So, yeah, so, um, to be honest with you, when I say I have 15 unreleased songs, mm-hmm. not all of them are finished. Yep. Um, a lot of them are like rough drafts for songs. So mm-hmm. actually, I actually probably have a little more, like maybe like 20 or 25. Okay. Um, but some of them are like songs that just have a hook recorded, like a chorus. Um, some of them just have a verse and then I'll like record a verse and then I can't think of anything for the hook. So I'll put it down and come back to it another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically when when i'm in when i when i want to put out a new song which i'm like kind of hoping to do soon i'll go through all these songs and i'll be like oh this this was a good one i you know i, I really got to finish this one today yeah or, or this week or whatever um so some songs never get finished um gotcha. just because the train of stop or the train of thoughts stops somewhere throughout the song mm-hmm. um and I just don't have like the motivation to finish it and that's okay you know what i mean like right. not every artist finishes they're every painting, you know what I mean? But you have to go through the bad ones to, to get your good releases. Yeah. Like, not every song you write is going to be a smash hit, you know? Um, which I, like, firm, firmly believe in. So I, that's why I make all these rough drafts, and then I pick, like, 10 out of the 20 
to finish and then those are the 10 that I think are the best. Not to say I'll never use the other 10. Or the yeah, other you 15. could think of something just in a week and be like, oh, yeah. like this will fit good in this song. Just something like out of the blue and you'll be able exactly. to go back and finish it. So that's kind of like my process right now is is I'm kind of trying to finish up some of those songs. Mm-hmm. My biggest issue as an artist is I, I get too caught up in like starting a song and not finishing it that okay. nothing gets done because I'll just, you know what I mean? I'll just like record 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 but like only do like a a chorus for this song today a verse for that song tomorrow but never finishing one song Mm -hmm. um unless i really sit down and like put my mind to it but that's like that's my biggest issue so going forward i got definitely got to work on that is yeah figuring out how i'm gonna wrap songs up and finish them and release them too so you've released i was looking at your apple music you released what one song this year so far, it was I what, 2020? Yeah, so I think I released uh, 2020. It's Okay, 2020 in my zone. And then uh, I was on one of my good friend DK. Shout out DK, the homie. Uh, I was on his album. We had a song called Bad. So technically I released three. Oh, yeah, I didn't see him. Okay, in my zone, yep. In my zone in 2020 are the only songs by mm-hmm. that have came from my release releases this year and then like i said i was featured on a song with my homie dk um so i'd like to i'd like to get more mu- uh, maybe a song or two out before the end of the year that would be ideal that was my next question i was gonna ask are we, what are we expecting for the end of the year and yeah. then 2021 what's what's to come with the music there so okay so ideally i mean this could change this is i know just, covid's crazy it's dude exactly you never know you know mm-hmm. what i mean um also like at the beginning of covid and stuff i was working two jobs like working for the deli in Aguam and yep. also at a pizza shop so i was doing like 50 50 to 55 hours a week i okay. never like collected unemployment or anything like that like while a lot of people were um not trying to like flex or anything but i was just working so much that i wasn't didn't have much time to record i mean that happens sometimes your stuff's got to take a Life back gets seat. In the way, yeah man. and and you work long days and when you get out the last thing i want to do is sit down and write music so right. it's like i just want to relax or chill with my girl, or whatever it may be, or go to the gym, or, you know. So, um, going forward, um, like, for the rest of the year, and then coming 2021, I'd like to get, like, a song or two out before the new year, and mm-hmm. then 2021, hopefully release a, a project. Okay. Um, something small, like, five, six songs, EP. Uh, the last EP I released was 2019, which was my, uh, my debut little project called Talking to Myself. Um, which did really good for me, actually, that it charted on iTunes, which was sick. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think it got to, uh, number 172 on iTunes. That's crazy. For the day. That's awesome. So you think about, yeah, dude, I got to pull this up. I got it on my phone somewhere. Did you screenshot it? You got it all, all saved? Yeah. I posted it on Instagram and whatnot. Uh, I would have too. That's awesome. That dude, that's uh, like, and I say that in a humble way. It's, it's, it's a, that was a really cool feeling. So, uh, I got it. Yeah. So yeah, I would, dude. If if you take a look at that, I was on the same at the same time with like Wiz. Uh, it's Wiz, Lil Pump, Tech Nine, Lil Mosey, and then you. The, and yeah, holy so cow, I, that's awesome. So th- that was like for like that day. Yeah. Um, most purchased um, albums or whatever. So when I released it, this is like I said, this was back March two thousand nineteen. So about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, I put it out at midnight. Um, it dropped like right at right at midnight, like most albums do. And then the following morning, 
um, when people were up and like listening to it. Uh, we were me and me and the homie DK. We were in his house in his basement, chilling in the studio, and we were just kind of waiting and waiting. And then he just went on iTunes and was like, "Holy shit, bro, you're on here, dude!" And I thought he was messing with me, and uh-huh. I pulled it up and I just see my name on like the iTunes charts. Now it's not like no Billboard 200 thing, but it it's just still crazy. It just means like most purchased purchased albums for that day. Yeah. Which was like, you know people are seeing your music. Yeah. So that's just that's a great that must have been a great feeling. Unreal, man. That was like the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Now, what's your thought on features? Will you uh, like your next project? Will it have how many songs? Do you think will you have features on? Um. So if if I like to I like to keep. Here's like kind of like my philosophy with with projects and music now, mm-hmm. and this is just my opinion. So hopefully nobody's hating when they're listening. Yeah. Um. I don't really see the point in artists of my size to release like fifth like fifteen to twenty song albums. Yeah. Because truthfully, like at this point in my career, nobody's gonna sit down and listen to twenty songs. That's like mm-hmm. what two hours worth of music. Right. Of Cam Randall. Like I get sick of the same artist after like fifteen minutes. Yeah. It's um, tough to get through a whole Post Malone album if he yeah, releases one. Like you, exactly. do, you really don't want to listen to all twenty of his songs, but if you see yeah. one or two that you know blew up, you'll listen to those definitely. Hundred percent. Like in, unless you're Drake, Post Malone, Ariana Grande, artists of that magnitude, you can mm. get away because your diehard fans, as soon as they're that gonna album listen to drops, everything. are gonna sit down and and listen for two and a half hours straight. But I'm just not at that level yet. Maybe someday, knock on wood. Hopefully. Um, yeah, so my, my philosophy is for projects um, going forward is I just want to make something that you can listen to start to finish in one car ride. Okay. So that you can listen to the whole thing in 20 minutes, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, so, like, my last album was seven songs, and I think it was 21 minutes, okay. which is, like, the perfect amount of time to yeah. listen to somebody like me. Um by that 20th minute, you're like, all right, I've heard enough. Or you're like, oh, this is sick, man. I'm, I'm... going to look for more of his music. Exactly. So in seven songs, or six, seven, five, six, seven songs, um, I don't know how many how many features I would have. Like in, in my first project, talking to myself, mm-hmm. I think I had I had DK and then I had, uh, oh, Rico Kochi. Shout out Rico. He lives in L.A. now too. Okay. Another one of the homies from UMass. Um, so two out of seven. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big on putting like a feature on every song, but mm-hmm. I'm also not opposed on it. Like if mm-hmm. I if I thought some songs you make and you're like, oh, I don't really want a feature. I kind of just like me on this. Mm-hmm. But like 2020, when I made that song, originally it was gonna be just me, and then I kept listening and listening. You feel like it was me missing something? Yeah, I was like, dude, I can hear somebody on this. So I hit up one of the homies, little step, who's on there. And I was like, yo, this is really weird, but I can, like, hear you on this. Like, I just hear your voice, and it would it would go really well. Mm-hmm. And he killed that. Like, I was so hyped when, when he sent me that verse back. He's from Chickabee, and I was like, dude, I'm so happy I went with him. Um, so that's kind of my thing on, on features, you know? Yeah. For, for, like, a six, seven-song EP, typically one or two features would be cool. Probably wouldn't go over that, but, like I said, never say never, man. Gotcha. I could put one on every every song, you know. Yeah. So. If it works and it makes the music sound good, then exactly. Might as well. Don't want you don't want to jeopardize it just because you don't want to put a feature on. You yeah. want to make the best music you can. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's gonna be step back and be like, oh, why does this dude have a feature on every single song? You know, if the song's good, if the project's good, yeah, no questions yeah. asked, man. You know what I mean? So we'll see. 
Yeah. Now, what's your thought? You you just went with your name for your rap or your, for your music name. Yeah. You didn't want to do like a stage name or anything. No, man. So so when I first started making music, um, everybody in high school used to call me C Rands because mm-hmm. Cam Randall, obviously. I'm sure you can figure out where C Rands comes from. Um, so that was like kind. I was kind of pushing that big, like at fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was as I started to get a little bit bigger. Um, not like I'm like some viral artist, but big enough where yeah. I, where kids outside of my high school in different towns, different cities, different New England states were listening to me. See, Rands is like like kind of hard to find mm-hmm. because like okay, my name is Cam Randall, but my Instagram C Rands and my but my Twitter's at Cam Randall, so it's like yeah. So your social media was all over the place where keep, you wanted to be. I tried to keep everything clean and like. If you look up one name, you're gonna find your Twitter, your Instagram, your Apple Music. Easy everything. to find, yeah. Cause yeah, so so exactly. So I was like, you know what? I want it to be as super easy. Like mm-hmm. if you if you search Cam Randall on YouTube, I think I'm like the only or like the first one that comes up. Or same thing with Google, uh, and that's what I wanted. C Rands, like I'm sure there's something else in the world that is that, you know, so that's kind of where Cam Randall stuck. It was easy. Um, plus, you don't have to really explain, like, your backstory. Like, oh, how do you get the name C. Rands or whatever yeah. it was. Um, because even if it's, like, an obvious nickname, people are still going to ask, like, why'd you pick that? Yeah, so I just like to keep it simple. Like, because, uh, dude, imagine, like, m- like running into people and you're like, oh, like, hey, I'm Cam Randall, but, like, I make music and people call me C. Rands. You know I mean? Yeah, okay, okay, I can see that. It would be kind of weird because... I don't think I don't think Drake goes out to parties or whatever and, like, yo, what's up? I'm Aubrey, but people know but me yeah, as Yeah, pe- people call me Drake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, Post Malone. Hey, I'm Austin, man, but people call me Post Malone. <laughs> you know, so I just yeah. wanted to keep it simple. Like, hey, I'm Cam Randall. I make music. Oh, what's your what's your name? Cam Randall. Cam Randall, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of kind of the reasoning behind that. That makes sense. Okay. So now, other than UMass playing like at UMass, what's been your favorite venue to play? Um. So, probably one of my favorite venues I've played um, consistently is our Iron Horse in Northampton. Okay. Very small venue. Fits like comfortably 200 people not really small but like mm-hmm. not nothing crazy like umass um but i've probably played like 10 shows there that's awesome 10 10 to 12 and uh every time i play there it's like a very small intimate room not a small intimate room but it's just like it's got a high ceiling but it's like this n- like narrow um standing area and everybody gets real jam-packed and close, and you just feel the energy. From but the it's cool because you know everybody's there to see you. Yeah, dude, and, like, every time I go, every time I've played there, all my friends come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just, like, a good time. There's, like, a bar in the back. Okay. Um, so everybody grabs a drink before the show starts, a couple of drinks, and they're just on the floor. And, it, like I said, fits, like, 200 people. It's, like, kind of like an auditorium-looking yeah. looking thing. Um, and every time I've played there, it's been a good show. That's you know awesome. I mean? Like you just like after the show, you're like, wow, that one that was crazy. That went yeah. really well. So that's probably my uh, my my favorite spot to play. Where in Boston did you play? Uh, I played the Middle East. Okay. So I played the Middle East. I, did I play anywhere else in Boston? Maybe no. I played a play someplace in Worcester. This place called like Electric Haze in Worcester. That was a weird show, man. There's like thirty people there. Um, and then that. 
Electric Haze, yeah. It's a cool spot, but it's just what the crowd. It was, was an odd, an odd crowd just to be there. Yeah, my my homie DK got asked to do the show, mm-hmm. and he asked me to join his set. So okay. we we played for like an hour, um, and it was supposed to be like this big Worcester State turnout, and I had some homies that went to Worcester State, so I was like, oh sweet, they're gonna come. I'm kind of pumped about that, yeah. Yeah, and I, it was like a cr- really crummy rainy night, and I think like 30, 40 people came out. Still a good time, mm-hmm. but it was a little more different you know what i mean like yeah who really knows me in worcester you know right um i went on a tour i don't i don't know if you know this but i went on a tour last december so uh 10 months ago i did five cities and five nights i played uh philadelphia oh i saw you posted about i was looking at your twitter i saw that and that I should have asked about that. That's crazy. What? Yeah, that, that just opened up a whole other can of worms for us. So, uh, yeah, so I played Five Cities, Five Nights. Dude, that that was, like, the sickest thing I've done mm-hmm. besides charting on iTunes. Um, <laughs> like, like career-wise, that was the best time of my life. Um, now, you were in Pennsylvania and Ohio, right? Yeah, so I played Philly. The first night, Philly. Second night, I played uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Third night, I played Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay which is like Amishville, kind of sketchy. Uh, then I played Cleveland, okay. Ohio, and Toledo, Ohio. Five cities, five nights. So, um, it was Who was on tour with you? Uh, so, yeah, I'll get to get to how that kind of came up okay. to be. Um, so the homie Dylan that I was mentioning earlier, sorry, my nose is stuffy. I don't have COVID. All I got good. tested the other day. Uh, just allergies or whatever. Um, what, we running low on time? No, no, we're good. Oh, okay. Uh, so... Um, Dylan hit me up last September, so uh, like a little over a year ago, and was like, "Hey, I know these two artists, headliners that are going on this tour, and they need an an opener for the whole tour. So like, you'd okay. have you, if you're down, you'd be will, you'd have to go and play every single venue with them. Um, and they're pretty pretty big artists. Um, Jerome the Prince, mm-hmm. Jerome's a homie now. He's got like four hundred thousand monthly listeners. Holy cow! Yeah, man, he's 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 dope. And then Michael Waves, um, who's from Pennsylvania, he's pretty big too. I think he's got like fifty thousand monthly listeners. Mm-hmm. So artists that are bigger than me, um, and Dylan was like, you know, you're probably you don't you don't really have fans in in Pennsylvania in that area, but it'd be a good opportunity for you. Dylan was kind of like the middleman for this. Yeah, and he was like, hey, I know you, but I also know them cam meet michael and jerome um so he's like yeah think about it he's like they and and they didn't really have the budget to like fly me out there or or have me posted up in like their hotels and shit Mm -hmm. like that so basically what it was when i agreed to it is um hey if you can provide your own transportation and your uh your own hotel room um we'd love to have you on tour we'll provide the photographers all that you'll open up every night. You get like a, a half hour set in these five cities. Yeah, and that's so great exposure too in places you've never played before. Yeah, dude. So I was like, so so, the tour went December twenty sixth, so the day after Christmas to January thirty first, so to New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, dude. The day after Christmas, we packed the car. It was me, my homie Antonio, who goes by Stony, uh, and then I actually brought my own photographer too. Mm-hmm. Um, my homie Chris, who who wanted some experience of shooting more shows, yeah. So it worked out. So we packed the car, drove to Philly, um, got hotels in each each places, 
and yeah, you just raged. It was That's it was awesome. so sick, man. And and after that that tour, each each show is like a like a, an intimate setting, like. There weren't 2,500 people, but that's yeah. fine. We put in Philly. I think there was, like, maybe 100 people there the first night. Mm-hmm. Put in Cleveland, 150 people. Lancaster, 200 people. So it was that kind of crowd. But every, everyone felt like, what, like a party probably. Yeah, Just the dude. energy was probably great. Yeah, so I'm, I'm up there, and I'm like, what's up, guys? I'm Cam Randall. I'm from Massachusetts. You know, thanks for, for rocking with me tonight. Let's, mm-hmm. let's rage. Um, and kind of the same thing is, like, UMass. Everybody gets some drinks in them, bro. They're, they're, there they're just there to have a good time. They're... And, and I gained fans from it. You know, I, I gained, like, I think from that tour, like, 100 followers alone mm-hmm. just from people that were there to see the headliners at each stop but met me and were like, dude, you're like, you're sick. Like, you're dope, bro. And wicked cool experience. I don't regret a thing about that. So That's how, like, I went to the Chris Webby, the Black Friday show last year. Oh, at Toad's Place? Yeah. yeah. He does that every year. That's yeah. Sick. So I went, that was the first time I had went to it and... I had heard like a bunch of the opening acts, and now I'm like big fans of them, like guys like Aaron Cohen and yeah. Didn't did Anoid open too? Yeah, he yeah. he was there. I'd never heard him before. Yeah, and so like I listened to those guys, and I'm like, holy cow! Like I would have never yeah. heard of these guys before if I didn't go to the show. Didn't go to the show. Yeah. So that must have been just a cool experience seeing being able to perform for people you'd never performed yeah. for. Dude, exactly. And that was like I've always performed for like the same. Uh, like Western Mass or Boston mm-hmm. uh, demographic, yep. if you will. Um, but going to Philly, I don't know a single person in Philly. Yeah. Okay. Eagles fans. <laughs> but like... Uh, it's bad. Yeah, right. So I'm like, all right, I'm already not a fan of Philly, but yeah. we're going to go still rage there anyways. Um, yeah, so dude, it was sick. And, and, and that's what I expected going into the tour. I'm going to go to these shows, even if I gain 10 fans per show. It was, was 10 su- more fans successful than you had. tour. Yeah. So, dude, it was dope. We did some traveling. Awesome, man. Raged in the hotel rooms. We got, like, we stayed at the same hotel as the headliners. Yeah. So, after the show, like... Yes, just all go back there. We'd, like, mob out, because they, like, they brought, like, their girlfriends, photographers, managers. Um, yeah, so there was, like, I think in total, there was, like, 20 of us that mm-hmm. were, like, all together in the hotels. And, uh... Yeah, we drank after the shows and just chilled and and just really met each other because I haven't met I didn't meet Jerome and Michael Waves beforehand like before okay. the tour you know Dylan because Jerome's from Georgia and Michael's from uh from Pennsylvania so, so would you meet him like that first Philly show like yeah like for like real first yeah. time you really met them yeah so like we we followed each other on social media for a mm-hmm. while um, and uh, Jerome's actually signed now. He just signed like some sort of deal, like a rec- uh, like a distribution deal or something like that. Good for him. Yeah, dude. So he's he's sick, um, but not to backtrack. But he's another one. He lives in Georgia yep. and does it all from Georgia. He doesn't live in LA. Yeah. Because the the internet is so powerful, bro. He puts out music and all his fans are virtual. So Jerome, who has never stepped foot in Philly before this or Ohio, who's been in Georgia his whole life comes up but he's got fans in philly which is yeah. so sick um so yeah man, that's that, crazy to just think about that so dope bro that that's was, awesome that was like the time of my life and like all my like friends and family from home shoot my bad. you're all good um all my yeah, yeah crazy over here uh all my friends and family from home are like just seeing all like my posts and stuff mm-hmm. like bro that's that's cool. That's insane. You know? I'm like posting on Facebook. I'm like, hi mom, <laughs> like look at me, right? So yeah, that was that was a cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think that's gonna wrap up our interview. Um, 
plug away social media uh, where they can find you on Apple, Spotify. Yeah. So uh, Instagram, simply Cam Randall. Uh, very cliche. Twitter is Cam Randall 5. Little salty, I didn't get just straight Cam Randall. Um, and then Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, SoundCloud, whatever the hell you want, YouTube. Um, just simply at Cam Randall. Um, stream it. I greatly appreciate it. Um, it goes a long, long way. So I appreciate you coming on, man. This is yeah, awesome. It was a great conversation. Thank you for having me, Andrew. This was, this was sick. Go check out Cam Randall and stay tuned for more content that we're bringing to you. Uh, thanks for listening to The Office, guys.